My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 39 of the Adventure Games podcast. I am just back home from my trip to the Wordplay conference in Toronto, Canada, and I'm still suffering from jet lag, so I'll keep this intro very short. This week I'm joined by Martin of Team Clam, who is one third of the team who brought us Clam Man, which was one of the funniest games of 2019. And before we get to the interview, I wanted to uh, let people know that Clam Man is part of a bundle. It is part of the Scab bundle, so you can get this game along with six other games, which include Adventures of Bertram Fiddle, The Beard and Mirror, Legend of Hand, and Captain Disaster, Death Has a Million Stomping Boots, Yet Another Hero Story, and Trails and Traces, The Tomb of Thomas Chew. So this stands for Super Comedy Adventure Bargain Bundle, and you can get all of these games for at least $9.99. So it really is a bargain. It is available, all these games available in this bundle until November 25th. So... Uh, so now I'll bring you the interview with Martin Hensis, one of the developers of Clamman, as he had uh, he spoke about well the game and also writing in general. And so please enjoy. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the Adventure Games podcast. And I am here with Martin from Team Clam. So hello, Martin. How are you? Hello, thank you. I'm very well. Thank you for having having me on. <laughs> uh, no worries. Thank you for agreeing to speak to me. It's uh, I've been wanting to speak to you, to you ever since. Well, mainly ever since I played Clam Man, because as people who listen to the podcast uh, probably know, I kind of liked it. I, <laughs> I sort of it was all right. It was kind of funny. No, I really, really liked it. It was a really, really good game. It took me. Uh, it was a really good, pleasant surprise. You know, it's, I, I love surprises like that when games that you you don't know a huge amount about, but then you start playing them, and they are when their games are amazing, when they're really, really funny. So, uh, huge congrats on the game. So, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more about it. But yeah, first, you. first, I just wanted to know if you wanted to introduce yourself and then say what your favorite adventure games are. Uh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, so my name is Martin. Uh, I am from Finland. We are all uh, based in Finland in Team Clam. Um, this is our, our, our debut title, the, the first game we've made as a team and the first game we've released on, or any of us have released on Steam. Um, the, the question about the adventure game favorite is, that's a, a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been replaying the Telltale's Walking Dead lately, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. But I think just for no, it, it, I think it's got to be Sam and Max hit the okay. road <laughs> for sure. Like uh, I, I remember playing that game. Actually, I played it like ages back with uh, my brother, who's the programmer in, in Team Clam, and we played it together and and just uh, absolutely loved it. Loved the, the the humor and the story and the the non sequiturs and the sort of um, that sort of organized nonsense that that adventure game humor often has. 
So I, I think that's got to be my my top spot. Closely followed by Monkey Island Two. Right. So two good comedy games there, at least. Uh, that, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <that> <laughs> some, like. some of the some of the best writing for sure. Yeah. No. Definitely. You know, Simon Max is is up there. One of the at least one of the wittiest games. Uh, it I is, believe it is. Uh-huh. Uh, they're again very funny, very funny a comedy duo as well with the, the psychotic uh, rabbit thing, <laughs> 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 and, and you know great great pairing. And then of course Monkey Island. But funny enough, I'm also replaying The Walking Dead myself. What I'm trying to do is I'm kind of, I'm doing kind of like a series. I I play an episode a week. I try to do at least. Mm-hmm. So kind of uh, that's kind of very different. It's a very serious game. <laughs> it is. It is it's a completely different. It's, and it, it, but it it's really nice when when you do come across these little jokes now and then because it's really it's it's thematically so appropriate because it's always someone trying to lift the mood uh, in, in that sort of darkness that the characters are going through. Yes, I remember there was uh, there was some good humor in the in those games as well. As you mentioned, they're they're very brief, but it's some of the interactions. I remember with Kenny and with Lee. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I think we're thinking of the same scene. It's 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 one of those great moments. Uh, uh, there's the part in the I think they're in a barn and uh, Florida. Uh, no, uh, Kenny says something. Of, I'm from Florida. Yeah, I'm from Florida. Stuff just comes out of my mouth sometimes, which is a great joke. But it's also like it's it's perfect for characterization of that character, and it, it really makes the the characters feel uh, that much more human. Yes, exactly. No, I think it's in, is it episode two or three? I think yes, they're in the barn. I think, and sure. I think he says something like to kill. So, oh no, I think I, I know what it, what it is that he. I think he mentioned something that Lee is urban or something. Oh yeah, yeah. He, I think he asks him to pick a locks or something, yeah. and he just uh, yes. calls him out on it. Is like, are you being serious right now? <laughs> it's it's a great that, joke. Oh, I I love it. Just that moment uh, because it's the fuck kind of like two brothers there, kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's, and, and uh, it's like, and again, it's it's such. A, I feel like the the few jokes that are in The Walking Dead are, are so great because they're never. Uh, it never feels like somebody wrote that joke for you. Like it always mm. works with the character, and it always works with this person would say that. You know, it's it's that kind of thing, and it really really helps. Exactly. Yes. No. No. Kenny was one of the most interesting characters I found. I like that. There's some. I believe most of the moments of even though he, he's a very complicated character and there's mm-hmm. very few, a few dark moments with him, but uh, and even in season two, I remember like some even they're very serious but kind of funny at the same time with his reactions. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A lot of it is probably the voice actor as well and the way he does it. So yeah, he, he does it expertly. And I think the first time playing that game, I absolutely hated Kenny. Like yeah. after a certain point, I was like, like "Nope, I'm, I don't want anything to do with Kenny." Uh, but on the second playthrough, you like you really realize how well realized he is as a character, and how like how actually human he is. I think he's one mm-hmm. of the best written characters on the entire in the entire series. No, definitely. Yeah, and no, I think the characterization as a whole. I'm on the third season now, and I and I think this first season is definitely the best. Mm-hmm. But I I like season two as well. I thought that they had some interesting locations and they tried to mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you sure. play as Clementine, you really cared for her. You really wanted to protect her. Mm-hmm. And um, so so yeah. So that's the Walking Dead podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so yeah. So you mentioned Sam Max and Monkey Island. I think we can see some different uh, influences on your game, which we'll talk about now shortly. But before we get to Clam Man. 
I was wondering if you, you mentioned about your brother who worked on the game as well. So is, was it just you and your brother who worked on the game or how many people worked on the game Clam Man? Uh, so the, the, the core of, of or our team Clam is three people. So it's me, my brother, uh, who was the programmer and also did a lot of the video editing and, and he, he made all the trailers and all the like, uh, any anything animated promotional he did. He's 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 really really great with that. He's arguably a better editor editor than he is a programmer. Uh, not to take any away from 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 the other part. And then uh, uh, the third one is the coloring and background artist, who's a friend of mine. And uh, so it's it's a very like tightly knit team. It's we're all people who knew each other from before and and are, are close from before. So it was it was really sort of. Uh, the feeling of, of just three friends coming together and just making this for fun. Okay, so that that's how it started then, just the three of you just making a game for yourselves. It's funny how some, the, a lot of these games you know start like that. That a lot of people just start make uh, making a game. It's very small, just kind of for themselves, and then they kind of blow up into something. Yeah, yeah. Bigger. It's, it's funny. It, it's it's funny because Man was never. Uh, like like years back when I I started getting into programming and I was awful at it and I dropped it uh, and I, I kept trying to come back to it but like that 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 first hurdle of you know learning how to write code and learning how to write meaningful code is is so big that it's it's kind of hard to do on your own so when my brother started getting proficient at, at JavaScript and programming stuff in Flash uh, there was this kind of opportunity there and at one point he got into Unity and and C sharp. And uh, he was going to make this little basic uh, platformer shooting game. And he asked me, like, can you do some character sprites for me? And I said, sure. And uh, as it happens, I was hanging out with my friend, the, the character artist, and, and me and her were just drawing little characters and stuff. And and uh, as a joke, I sent along with the sprites that we sent at first, I, I sent this drawing of a little astronaut clam person with a big, like, ray gun. And uh, the text "clamtacular," uh, and as a, as just as a complete joke, and I sent that off to my brother, and he was like, "Oh, the sprites look good. I really like the clam dude, though." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I actually really, really like the clam guy as well." <laughs> and and uh, me and and Maddie, the the artist, started talking about it, and we were joking about how stupid it would be to have a character that's called Clam Man, <laughs> and uh, ended up doodling some more pictures of Clam Man, and ended up doing the 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 original sprite sheet for the character, and then we were like, like, hey, maybe we can maybe we can make something with Clam Man, like ask for fun. And uh, my brother put together this prototype. I gave him a, like a list of, of of stuff that we wanted to put in the game, like mechanics, like conversations, interacting with things, talking to people, and we'd make this like one screen prototype, which was uh, for anyone who's played the game. Uh, it's the scene outside of the apartment with the the, the hobo guy who with, with the big sign. The, the duck is nigh, right? The duck, the duck is nigh. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's correct. It, it makes sense in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, barely. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's that's uh, you know the, the funny thing because uh, in in our review with myself and Thomas, we you know we talk a lot about the humor. It's a very funny game, and there are a lot of jokes as well. But there's also like a proper story as well. <laughs> like there's also it's not just jokes. Seth. There is a story. It does make sense, yeah. and there are twists and turns in it as well. So it could work nearly just as well as a serious drama game, nearly. I think it's better with the jokes. It's very, very funny. 
but there is a proper story as well. So, so okay, so you mentioned uh, sort of about the origins of the game with Clamman. Uh, the funny thing is as well, I did mention in my review that this game, I believe, is the funniest game that I've played since The Dark Side Detective. And the Dark Side Detective, when I spoke with Spooky Doorway, they said as well that their game started off very small as well, that they just added, you know, a few screens and just uh, a very small game that wasn't very good at the beginning, but then it kind of blew up as well. That uh, they, they then made a bigger game and it became very popular. And I also spoke with Alastair Beckett King about his game Nelly Kutalot. And that initially was a game that he was making for his girlfriend as, as a present for her. Oh, yeah. And then again, that became very popular. So it's funny how these things happen. So uh, so for uh, when did you get the idea then? I don't know if you mentioned that. What what, what year, more or less, did you get the idea for Clam Man? Um, or to make a game starring a, a Clam Man? Uh, I think it was uh, late summer uh 2017, I think, uh, was the first drawing of Clam Man. And uh, then after like two or three weeks, we, we had the prototype running. Uh, but it, it was very, like, as you said, it, it started off as this this small thing that we're doing for fun. And then when we saw the game in action, we were all sort of like, wow, like we could, like, we could actually make this, you know, we could, we could make a game uh, based on this. And uh, at, at that point, we... Uh, uh, me and me and the me and uh, Maddie, the the artist, uh, sat down, uh, like through a Skype session for like three or four hours, and we talked about what the story would be. And basically, like seventy five seventy five percent of what the story is came from that like one night uh, call. And wow. I, I just wrote down, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's funny. Like you said that you noticed the inspiration from Monkey Island, and it's that was really the 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 writing philosophy when we started out is this great story uh, I don't know if you've heard or not I don't know if it's true or not but I remember hearing it uh, about when they were making Monkey Island one and the programmers were they were building the game but they didn't have the actual script uh, and uh, so the programmers like Tim Schafer uh, Grossman uh, Gilbert uh, they just put in like random dialogue as jokes, just, you know, to make sure that it worked. And then later on in development, they asked, like, when are we going to get the actual script? And uh, the, the lead were like, no, we're keeping this. This is great. <laughs> so it, the, the writing philosophy for that game was, like, lifted entirely from that idea in the sense that, like, don't worry too much about it. Just, like, write down whatever makes us laugh in the moment, like whatever we think would be stupid and funny and, and put that in the game. And like most of the dialogue in that, that game is, is it sounds bad when I say it, but like most of it, it's a, is a, is a first draft uh, when it comes to like wow. the synopsis of the story. Like most of it is just like, yeah, let's have like sandbags in the streets. And uh, oh, like, I want to put in this Monty Python thing here just for fun. And, and, and so it, it kind of grew from that. Like, the writing was another challenge in itself when it actually came down to writing the scenes. Like, the synopsis is was, like, I think two or three pages. But then, like, when it came down to actually writing dialogue for the game, uh, we I think we hit a roadblock. Or I, I hit a roadblock. I, I wrote the game. Uh, and there was this point where we were, like, we were joking about Clam Man and how stupid that is and, and how funny it is to us. And... I realized sitting down writing the first dialogue, 
the first few pages of dialogue in the the office cubicle, the, the first scene. And I was like, I have no idea who this character is. Like, <laughs> what what is he gonna be like? What is he gonna be? Because uh, there was a lot of jokes that were just like Python esque and, and random, and and they didn't like lend themselves to a character in itself. Um, so to kind of focus that and get an idea of of what kind of character I wanted Clam Man to be was uh, came from like an, a number of different things, like movies and series that I've been watching lately, and it, it was. Mainly Arrested Development, the main character, Jason Bateman's character, uh, Michael Bluth, who's this office worker, this, this straight man in a, in a weird world. And, and whenever I'd get stuck in those first few pages, I was like, okay, well, what would Michael Bluth say? <laughs> what would he do in this situation if he were a clam? And then like a couple scenes later, he had evolved from Michael Bluth to his own character. And uh, eventually I did rewrite like most of the dialogue in the, the first few scenes. But that's kind of where the character came from. It's funny how you said, oh, what will Michael Bluth do? I think it certainly works well. And it's incredible that you said that this is, you know, most of the di- most of the dialogue, most of the writing is the first draft because, as I mentioned before, it, it works, you know, on a comedy level. I don't know if that makes sense, but on a hu- humorous level, it works. And there is a story that makes sense as well. Yeah, and everything it, kind of ties in together. Uh-huh. It was... It, it was one of the most stressful things uh, for me personally writing, because writing, like I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a good writer. I think I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay and I enjoy writing. I enjoyed, enjoyed writing dialogue especially, which is why there's like 120 pages of, of dialogue. Like I think it's 60 or 70,000 words in, like of just dialogue in Clam Man. Uh, like granted, a lot of that is just, well, um, I don't know, um, I guess, and that like these little short lines, but it, it's it's so difficult when you're sitting by yourself writing comedy dialogue because I'll write something and I'll be like, oh, that's funny, and then like a minute later I'll go back and and, and look at it and be like, is that funny? I don't know, <laughs> and I just send off like uh, we have a team chat uh, uh, with the group, and I like at, at the writing process there was. It, it's just full of jokes of me sending them like, is this funny? I don't know if this works. Like, I don't know if this is funny at all. And I think it it became, eventually I found the rhythm and it, it became, I, I think the, if nothing else, the style of comedy in Clam Man is coherent. So I think mm-hmm. if you enjoy the first, the comedy in the, in the first two or three scenes, you're going to enjoy the rest of the game. So I think I think we managed to get a coherency for that, but I think it's it's also not for everyone. Like I, there are some people have said that they didn't find it funny or it was entertaining, but they didn't like get the kind of humor. But the it's it's really nice, but because the people who do, uh, like the you you put it very kindly that it was the funniest game you've played in a in a while. Like the people who do get it, they really get it. Yeah, well, th- those people who don't get it are crazy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I suppose with humor as well, it's so subjective. And I find myself as well with some other adventure games, like recent and you know not so older games as well as particular comedy games, that even classics, but mm-hmm. I don't really find them as funny. And one example that I can give, which some people might consider a classic, is Simon the Sorcerer. Now, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I think the game, the games, the first two at least, are well made. And, you know, you can see that they're well-made and well-acted. But mm-hmm. I didn't really find it terribly funny. And I love British humor. I love the Monty Python. I love Terry Pratchett. And, but I, my main problem was I did not like the character. 
I thought he was too horrible <laughs> to really <laughs> to read. And, and again, I don't need characters to be you know nice. I mean, one of my favorite games is Gabriel Knight, and he's not mm-hmm. particularly nice either. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, but you know, but with this game, as you mentioned, Clamman, from the very first scene, for the very first dialogue. I, I just laughed, and also I really like the character because we see him in the office and he's answering the phone, and it's it's very funny, probably a bit exaggerated, but also kind of similar to what people go through. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny. Uh, you you mentioned earlier that um, uh, you you recognize those situations from oh yeah from that, that that kind of work, and it's funny because none of us in the team, like especially me, have never worked. We I've never worked in an office building. This is my my preconceptions of what it's like. I did work up for a long time in the, in hospitality, so I was a waiter, and then I was a, uh, eventually became a, a chef. But uh, like as a waiter, you deal with so many crazy, weird people that don't <laughs> listen to you. They have strange requests. They they don't get it. And I, I think some of that shines through. And I, I guess people are weird across the board. So, you know. Oh, yeah, wor- worldwide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, I worked for kind of customer service for a, you know, for an American tech company as well for a number of years. And I I kind of got when one of the funniest moments that I saw, and I'm, sorry, I thought I could get a spoiler. It happens at the very beginning. But when the pizza boy calls you, <laughs> oh, yeah. and when you have the options, and when he says my pizza, something like it's a pizza, you know, how's the pizza doing? And yeah. I chose the pizza's on its way. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I'll quickly interrupt you there because every ahead, single person that playtested the game picked that option. <laughs> I don't think at this point anyone has seen any of the other dialogue options because oh, everyone said, oh, it's coming. <laughs> oh, and there was me thinking I was original and unique. But <laughs> no, but what I particularly loved as well is how at the top left it said "Pizza Boy will remember this." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I think at that point I was playing. I think I was playing Tales from the Borderlands. I, I was playing one or another Telltale game, and I was like, we should put that in as like a little, little joke, and, and the people who get it are gonna like see that reference and. And hopefully think it's funny. No, I, I did because I really like the Telltale games and I love this kind of reference that you're kind of making fun, but, you know, you're kind of making fun of adventure games and Telltale games, but I think in a good way, kind of like referencing them as well. Yeah, um, it's uh, a, a lot of the like design philosophy for the game was also that the things that we enjoyed the most about old adventure games like the things we remember it's, for me and my brother at least, it was never the puzzles. Like the puzzles were this thing that you had to get you had to get through, and, and I, I know that's different for a lot of people. I know a lot of people are, are hardcore about the puzzles in point and clicks, and they want these uh, strange, obtuse, uh, difficult puzzles like for every part of the progress. But we, we kind of tried to stay away from that and make it more uh, make it more narrative and, and joke driven because that's the things we enjoyed about those games. And and then eventually, when we did put puzzles in, we made sure to make them to try to make them as clear as possible, but also like. Like you said, like when when we could, we would try to poke fun at the at the, the the tropes of the genre. There's a scene later on in the game where you need an item that one character has uh, in the bar, and uh, you basically ask him like, I, "I need your drink," and he just says, "Yeah, sure." 
And then Clement refers like, really? Like you don't like? Should I do something? You should like? Should I like light a rope on fire so a, dro- a ball drops down and then that kicks a train into motion and your grandma steps off the train and she has a key to a chest and when you open the chest you have to think that you want. And it's like like no, we just just make fun of it. And if you, if you want, that character asks you to listen to his story and then it, there's like. Uh, 200 words of, of him just telling an incredibly boring story about his life. I remember, yes. <laughs> and I listened. <laughs> I, I rather read all that. <laughs> because I was like, no, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna listen to all of this, listen to what he has to say. I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I believe that there is an object that you need to, to get. You need to go through some hoops to get it, and then it doesn't work. That it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that that was another thing that we were just like, uh, that that was a really uh, pivotal moment for me because at that point I was like, I'm not good at coming up with these puzzles. Like I don't, because I don't enjoy them, so I don't know like what to do and what to pick and what like ideas to give the player. I think we, uh, I think we made it fairly clear in that scene, in in the the bar scene at least. But for that scene, I wrote that and I uh, and I wrote the puzzle. And I remember thinking about it a lot and being like, like I don't know if people are going to think this is funny or if people are just going to say like, oh no, this just this is just lazy. Uh, but at the point, uh, at that point, I was playing through uh, Earthbound for the Super Nintendo for the first time. Uh, great game. And there's a moment in Earthbound where basically the same thing happened. Where where you you go to I think you save a character or you bring a character to open up a, like I don't remember exactly uh, but then when you do that he says like oh like you could just go in through the other end and you could always do that or something like it you you do this thing but it doesn't matter at all and it's really funny in Earthbound so I thought okay well if Earthbound can do it then maybe we can do something similar so that was kind of that that made me more sure about that puzzle there's a lot of like. <laughs> whenever I was unsure about something in the writing or the puzzles, it was I, I would just play any other game and be like, okay, can I? Can we get away with this? Okay, so as it works in this game, so why not in Clamman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was another fun thing that because um, early on, like in the dialogue and especially the examinations and interactions in the game, uh, I stressed so much about you know every single thing you examine has to be funny like everything has to have a joke so you know I'd, I'd get stuck at thinking of like an interaction line for a plant for 45 minutes because i couldn't think of like a, a good enough joke so I, I i stopped writing and i started playing the the newer salmon max the telltale ones and and you start playing and you realize that you need those uh you need those moments which aren't jokes. Like you can't keep it up all the time because otherwise the humor kind of the, the level goes down a bit. Like you need those down moments where it's just you click a, a, a disco ball and it just says shiny. And that's you know you you need those moments where it's not a, a, a great joke where it's just a little short thing or just a description. So that that was another thing that really helped with the the the, the comedy and the pace of the the comedy. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I suppose it's similar to like with action games or suspense or or horror stories that uh, um, you know that you, you in a horror story everything can't be you know horrifying. There has to be some downtime as well. Yeah, yeah. Action movies there has to be some downtime exactly. as well. Like in in the Avengers, for example, there are scenes where they just sit around and talk. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and those are the scenes that really make the thing like come together. Yeah, they're some of my favorite scenes, actually. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, just the simple conversations and interactions between characters can sometimes be the most, like, fulfilling and rewarding thing in a story. Yeah, like in the... Bring back to games, in the Uncharted games, some of my favorite scenes are not the action, as much as I love the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite scenes ever is when, in Uncharted 2, when he's walking through the Himalayas mountains, and you just walking you meet the people and he kicks a football as well and it's oh yeah, yeah. it's a very you know slow kind of pace scene yeah, but i yeah. really loved it and it's, it's uh, it has one of the best jokes in the game also later on when you were t- uh, the character's name is tenzin tension something like that and i think they're walking through a snow cave or something and and tension starts swinging this hook to like hook onto like an icicle or something and and nathan uh, nathan just goes like oh good luck that's now oh you did it <laughs> and it, while he gets it and that's one of the best like it, it, for me that's the same like what you mentioned like the best moments of those games are oftentimes not the the the, the high octane action it's the the little things the little things you remember yes exactly so i just kind of you know say with climate even though as i said it's it's a very funny game again there there is a story there is kind you know there's kind of a serious story underneath yeah. all that you know as a conspiracy and you have yeah. to kind of resolve it and another thing that i really like that you mentioned that it's kind of like in arrested development that he's a straight guy in this weird world uh, similar in this game what i particularly liked is that the main character clam man he's not an idiot you know doesn't come across as an idiot like as much as i love because i play some recent games you know like guard duty which i really enjoyed and the main character is you know is is an idiot and it's really <laughs> funny um yeah. I, but i also liked how he's because quite a few adventure games the main characters in particular are very very mean I, you know that's where they get their humor from and i mentioned yeah. Simon the sorcerer i also played uh, the pony games where the character is not not very nice either mm-hmm. and they try and get the humor from this but in this game the humor comes it's just you know jokes it's funny but it's not kind of or you're not making the character mean and nasty to people or people just kind of making fool of him like he just has bad things happen to him but he yeah, knows yeah. what's happening <laughs> exactly yeah it was that was actually one of the the things that we we wanted to make sure because um because <laughs> me and my brother knew that uh, our mom would want to play the game or see the game and uh so that, that's one of the rules for the writing was like no bad language i think one person says uh hell or damn at one point but that's it like and it's such a challenge that that's a whole nother thing like it's it's kind of a challenge to not put any profanity in your game because sometimes the funniest thing were would be for someone to just go oh fuck Uh, like (laughs) that that perfectly timed uh but but we couldn't rely on that and and what you said about being mean that was another thing it was uh it was important for me writing the characters like they're not like super fleshed out or, or like uh, like great deep characters, you know. There's, there's a fish who sells ropes and nuts. It's not like it, it's not deeper than that. But it was fun hiding those little things. Like you can you can hear a bit of like self-loathing in his voice. But it's never we we try to never put the joke on the expense of uh, like <laughs> clam man or or the, the or the player or like another character. Like everyone had to always believe fully in what they were doing and and there's an there's a scene early on where um 
you knock on a cubicle and you want to uh, you want to talk to this guy and and he opens up after a few conversation options and he says oh like why didn't you say Wednesday was you and Clamman just responds but that wasn't one of the options and and that, that, that's one of the jokes I was really torn about because it was I thought that was funny but I also thought it was it kind of broke that immersion and a lot of like I think we did the right thing leaving it in because a lot of people have like seeing people play test and stream the game, they laughed at that. So I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's okay. But that was one of the things that if, I think if I was writing Clan Man again, I wouldn't put that kind of joke in because everyone needs to believe fully that what they're doing makes perfect sense. So that, that, that was one of the things. And, and I, I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but uh, oh, about, go ahead. About, <laughs> about mean protagonists, uh, I remember reading an interview with Tim Schafer where he was like, he brought up the the... The same thing that you said about dumb protagonists. Mm. Uh, when he made uh, Full Throttle, he was like, "I want to make an adventure game where you're not an idiot. You know, mm. you, you're you're a capable person." And I think the I think Clamman like lands in the middle of Garbage Threepwood, and uh, I forget the name of the main character in, in Full Throttle. Is it, is it Ben something? Yeah, it's it's Ben. Years since I've played it. Yeah. Oh, is it Ben <laughs> Throttle? I think it might be. Uh, I'm sure people that are probably shouting it <laughs> at their phones now. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was been meant. I, I remember reading like in the game's been a long time, but yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so Clamman is somewhere in the middle, like not right. Too, but if someone's being mean, I think the meanest character in the game is an AI, and uh, <laughs> if you get. If if you do certain things that AI can be mean to you or nice to you, and even when he's mean to you, Clan Man like he doesn't just take it. He just kind of he goes like, hey, like you you can't make jokes and 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 if people are offended, you can't just say that it was a joke. Like that's not how it works. Like he he kind of stands up for himself. He's not a complete pushover. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. He, uh, in in that scene early on again when he's speaking to the boss. And again, he's kind of defending himself, and he he knows what's happening. Probably sooner than the boss as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but by the way, this I will never look at fruitcake the same way again. <laughs> when, when I've, I've the, never actually had fruit pie. So. Or fruit pie. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Fruit no, pie. I, I think blueberry. Um, that's about it. <laughs> but when when he's going on and on, and then when. He's speaking to the daughter of the landlord as well, mm. <laughs> and again she's reading out what what she has to say, and then and then when she I can't remember exactly when she says something like, um, uh, "Oh yeah," and uh, I, the, the bulldozers are coming, and then she reads, "Don't mention bulldozers." <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but again, he he knows exactly what's happening. You know, he knows that he's about to be fired, and he keeps asking. His his boss. Am I going to be fired? Am I going to be fired? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and then with uh, the daughter of his, and again he's still polite to her, but he's kind of like, okay, get to the point. What what do you want to say here? Am I? And um, and yeah, and then now with the boss character who rambles and goes on and on, doesn't really make much sense. Uh, I I don't want to get political, but it was he based on somebody else who's maybe a businessman and who's gotten into <laughs> politics, maybe, or was that just a coincidence? It, it is actually a coincidence, but really? so many people have said that. Is that is? Are you trying to? Is that poking at him? But it was no, like that. His inspiration was uh, Patrick Bateman, 
<laughs> like from from American Psycho, uh, the, just the Ooh, way wow. he looks. Like he was supposed to be like an '80s uh, yuppie uh, businessman, so the the hair was just like uh, combed back. The thing is, when I do the characters, like I I drew and animated all the characters, and then I send them off to to Maddie, the artist, and uh, I'm I'm horrible with colors. Like I can't. I I have like. Uh, my color vision is is not great, and I, I I'm not good with palettes. So I sent it off to her, and she sent it back, and and I didn't think much of it, but uh, she made her, her uh, his hair uh, orange or yellow or like blonde. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't think much of it, but then later on, somebody pointed out that he kind of looks like, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, he he kind of does. Yeah, no, but. But it's funny because I asked another developer while I was in Boston because I thought I saw that there was a reference as well mm-hmm. as, a, as a joke. And I thought, okay, it's definitely reference, re- referencing him. Referencing? Uh, now, I, now I speak just as well as, <laughs> as good as he does. But, <laughs> but I asked, is this a reference to this person? And he said, no, actually, I didn't mean to. And I said, oh, okay, I totally may, – maybe it's just me. But yeah, because yeah. there was, I think, a mop that was – orange as well and and i thought no okay maybe it's just a coincidence maybe he's he's just (laughs) in our minds (laughs) there was there is another joke that is actually a reference to this guy uh in in the bar scene there's a couple of beer taps and one of them is deporter porter and the and clement says the mascot is some kind of orange blob so that that is a joke (laughs) okay like at his expense i think that's the one like a reference to an actual person that we make in the game, but that's like I don't think a lot of people saw that, and it's it's, uh, yeah, and we, yeah, we kind of left. Yeah, probably probably better up, but uh, yeah. Anyway, no, but I also I I love the, this whole world, you know. With we seem to be having quite a few games now being re- that are going to be released sets in universes. Uh, populated by animals, you know they're ma- they're mainly detective games and they're mainly serious, yeah. and uh, and this is, but this one I suppose has all seafood instead. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And um, but I, the, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I think that's for us at least. I, well, uh, I, th- I think regarding animals as characters, I think uh, uh, I remember reading it in some kind of in a book about animation written by this uh, Disney animator, and I think at one point he says that. It just makes sense because animals are more fun than humans. Like yeah, it's, it's more fun seeing animals interact and more fun seeing them talk. And so I, I think it's 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 from that. But in in our case, it's like the the game is drawn in, in my style of drawing, and I'm not I'm, I'm not much of an artist. And like it wouldn't have worked to make uh, like human characters for that kind of game. And and like it, it was kind of uh, working with what we could do. And what we couldn't like uh, me making games on my own time in my spare time trying to design characters. I'm never happy with like humans I draw. Like I can't I can't get it right. So that's why it's just just do weird animals, weird seafood, like just blobs <laughs> with eyes on them. Like that's fine. So in, in that case, it was it was more of a restriction. And also the original inspiration was Clam Man. So it was like, yeah, we'll kind of have to go go SpongeBob rules on this. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, some of the humor comes from the, the the look of the characters as well. Like they don't even say anything, you know. Again, again, mm. I won't spoil anything. But at the end, when 
there is kind of like a fight and then you're seeing the two clams and they're just looking and they're both serious and then their eyes are just moving with the with the action <laughs> and and that made me laugh and again there is no dialogue in that nothing it was just the look of the characters yeah, which yeah. is the look of them made me laugh i don't know if it's intentional or not but <laughs> it it it, it kind of is it's funny because we have there's like six or seven different sprite sheets or like emotions for clam man like there's the angry one there's the sad one the surprised one uh that we were gonna like go back in the game and like put in here and there because we made them like later on uh but at some point we just kind of thought it was funnier like because clam man has this kind of like empty stare into nothing and somehow it was funny to us and it was it, it was that kind of like dry delivery again like from arrested development where uh, michael bluth uh, would would just say things and look at people and he wouldn't be very expressive it would just be sort of what he was saying that mattered in, in this sort of deadpan way and so yeah the the, the them looking up at, at the fight and 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 definitely like those moments where he doesn't say anything it's it's just dot 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 that's <laughs> the joke is always supposed to be just the way he looks at people and, and this sort of like, I, is this happening? That <laughs> that kind of way. No, and and then the the sound that uh, that they make. So there's there, there's no voice acting, but then when they speak, and I can't even do the sound myself, but it kind of like a sound just comes out of their mouths whenever they speak, and mm. that to me was also really really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that that's good because uh, that was the one of the. So we put out a demo, uh, I think. When was it? Maybe uh, sometime during 2018. We put out a demo when we were like, okay, we're kind of happy with the art style now, like with the assets we have. This is kind of representative of the final product. We ended up redoing like most of those scenes and, and, and characters either way, but we had a demo up. And in that version, uh, the voices was just uh, Jakob, my, my brother's uh, voice going bip. So the characters would sound like bip, 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 bip. And it was sort of placeholder to us, and by the time we released the demo, we didn't think about those voices at all. Like it, it didn't sound great, but we like it. You don't register anymore because you've heard those scenes a thousand times and you heard those beeps. And that was the the biggest criticism we got from the demo. It was like, I really like this, but please change the voices because they are annoying. And so yeah, so we tried to find something like because in a game that's very dialogue driven, we couldn't do the the like the the old school RPG, like did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. Yeah. Uh, like the, the the kind of loud things. So we had to find a sound that was muted and wouldn't be annoying, but it would still give the impression that someone was talking. And some people really enjoyed that voice. I, I think probably some people thought that was annoying too. But I, I, I'm pretty happy with what we ended up with. Yeah, I think it uh, it ended up very well. Now, I I do agree. I think if you had the you know RPG sound, I think that might have been a bit annoying. Yeah, yeah, uh, that for the sure. Whole that would have been grating. But I think what you were left with again, it works very well in this world as well. So, mm. yeah, and, it, it goes well with the the, the strange nonsensical like Steve. Exactly. Up and and then there is another thing that's very inventive in the game is that there is the duck of truths. Now I don't want to give too much away, <laughs> but but again, that somehow in this world it makes sense. So. Yeah, yeah. And the the duck of truth, I'm 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 
going to try to keep this fairly spoiler-free because the Dark of Truth is mentioned like early on, so mm-hmm. uh, people know. Uh, people who just start out the game will know he's a thing. Uh, the Duck of Truth is was never supposed to be in Clan Man, uh, but my brother early on, when we were talking about making Clan, before we made the prototype, before we had any like writing or idea of what the game would be, he sent me some pictures, and one of them was Clan Man standing at a water cooler with his colleague, who was a starfish, and that starfish became one of the one of the bad guys in the game. Uh, but he also sent me a picture of a duck that says, "I'm the Duck of Truth." And and some weird uh, lines of like strange things, and I thought that was hilarious. So <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, let's put that in the game." <laughs> yeah, and it it makes it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's in- it's when it when it happened. That was the thing. Like nobody can question it. It's it's like it's improv rules. It's yes and exactly. So, like, when he shows up, it's just like, oh well, yeah, of course, of course, there's a there's a duck. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense in the game because, again, in the game, even though it's all you know very surreal, it's uh, but there is no point in the game that I thought this doesn't really make sense. You know, now I think the one point was um, when you meet uh, the three gangsters, like in West Side Story, <laughs> which oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I found them really. Okay, at first, when I saw them, I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I was like, "Okay, no, I'm going for it." And then just everything that just happened i was like okay this kind of makes sense yeah i'm going with it so <laughs> that that's that's the philosophy of the entire game i think to enjoy the game you have to be in that mindset where you're like okay yeah I, let's go with it like <laughs> like let, let's just have fun with this let's not overthink this or like <laughs> be uh, picky about this let's just be like yeah sure like why not let's go <laughs> and then you know you mentioned some of the influences arrested development and you know monkey island and that uh, or can you mention any other influences of the game or inspirations there's of the a, game? Yeah, there, there's a bunch. There's, uh, yeah, there's quite a few. That, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there, like, there's, there. I think there's too many references probably in the game. Like, I think some, some people picked up, even if they liked the game. Some people were like, "I'm worried about the amount of, of references because it might like date the game poorly." So we tried to put in like references to things that would, would be kind of timeless. Uh, like the Monty Python references, some of them are, are so obscure that I'm sure like only like diehard Monty Python fans will find them. Like the entire the the password to a to a certain door in the game is literally lifted from a Monty, a Monty Python sketch. And that was just because I, w- I was watching that season of Monty Python while I was doing the game. So it's like like yeah, this is one of the best jokes in Monty Python. We're putting it in. Uh, but there's there's a lot of of when it comes to actual inspiration. For the the story, uh, I think, or the writing, I think one of the main things would be uh, Tarantino and his movies, and and because it it doesn't sound like Clamman is nothing like a Tarantino film, but uh, I, all the I'm blood a, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah getting shot and plastered across the wall. Uh, yeah, like whenever I'd get stuck in something and I wasn't sure if the dialogue was good or like how to do it, uh, I would watch a Tarantino film. Because uh, his dialogue is, is uh, in my opinion, the the he, he's the best writer of dialogue like currently existing. Like nobody writes like snappy, clever, good, funny dialogue the same way he does. So like huge inspiration on for me writing stuff in general. But like to get those 
get that creativity flowing. And also his his like passion for making movies is infectious. And like when, whenever you see someone like who really really cares about what they're doing, uh, it, it inspires you. So that was a huge help. Uh, one another one that I realized, uh, I think that was in uh, your review or, or, or Thomas's review. Uh, he mentioned Chinatown. Yes. <laughs> and and I remember reading that the first time. I was like, huh. And I didn't think much of it. And then Chinatown popped up again in other reviews. And I was like, wait a minute. And I started thinking about it. And I realized that Chinatown is such a huge influence on me when it comes to... I don't know what it is. It's something in Chinatown, in, in that movie that just... It's a great movie, first of all. But it's it's... It sticks with me, and I and I looked at other projects I've been doing and other writing for games I've been doing, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like, there's Chinatown all over this. Like, how? Where did this come from?" <laughs> deep, <laughs> so deep so down Chinatown, in your subconscious. <laughs> yeah. So Chinatown apparently is a huge inspiration for Python. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, other than that, it's it's like obviously Monty Python is a is a huge huge influence. Uh, Monkey Island, of course. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of things like. There's more. Well, I think we we can let the players, you know, find out for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke earlier about uh, puzzles, mm-hmm. and that's you know most of the game is you know story focused and dialogue focused. Mm-hmm. Now there are a couple of puzzles. There are there was one, I, I think uh, puzzle you have to find a code or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and then another puzzle later on. And the funny thing is that when I when I saw that puzzle at first, I when I do seek these kind of logic puzzles, I do kind of you know enter panic mode because <laughs> I think, oh my god, this is going to be like a misstyle puzzle, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I I'm not gonna now. But then I was able to now I did these I think a pen and paper to kind of work it out, but I was able mm-hmm. to do it all by myself and I didn't use a walkthrough and it was. I was really proud of myself. Now, I have played a lot of adventure games, but I still suck at puzzles, especially logic puzzles. <laughs> and But I was able to work that out, and I was very proud of myself. And then the funny thing was when uh, Tomas was... I, I, it, he won't mind me telling him this, but when he, he, was, he was then playing after me, and then he texted me and he said, okay, maybe I'm overthinking it, but what's the deal with this puzzle? <laughs> and, and so I just gave him a small hint. I said, yes, no, don't, don't overthink it, but, you know, maybe think like this. And then he said, immediately said, oh, God, because he's generally speaking better than I am at puzzles and games. Uh-huh. He's been playing games longer than I have and he's better, but it, it was funny. And uh, and then another thing is that, you know, with there is a, something at the end from what I remember where you're asked questions about things that have been said in the game as well, mm-hmm. so you need to pay attention. Was that added in from the beginning, or was that added in later on? Uh, so that was, if I remember correctly, that wasn't supposed to be in the game originally. There was supposed mm-hmm. to be, so originally that we had this huge thing planned out for that sequence. So uh, for anyone who hasn't played the game, basically you're breaking into this building, and uh, you have to get to some documents. And... When we were writing that, or when I was writing that, uh, the idea was that you'd meet this uh, records office clerk, and he'd talk to you, and and like the tone would change, like clearly, and it would become this like almost soap opera like drama, where you're in the like reception room or in this hallway room with just a reception desk, and this this kid would talk about like. 
uh, how he's crazily in love with this girl and 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 then she would show up and she would be like oh but papa would never let us and then you know their his father would show up and he'd be like what is the meaning of this and there was supposed to be this long drawn out like full story uh, like in the middle of the game that would last for like 30 minutes of just strange weird completely out of nowhere dialogue <laughs> and eventually i was like well that does nothing for the game it would be kind of funny like looking back on it but it's like it's not going to work so at the same time we were thinking if the focus of the game is not the puzzles then what is the focus of the game well, clearly it's the it's the narrative and it's the jokes and it's the the experience of interacting and, and conversing with these characters and but that was the first time we started like play testing the game as well with with friends and and, and people we know and uh realized that some of them uh, were playing the game the way it's intended, the way I play adventure games, where you just click on everything because you want to hear every line of dialogue, every like interaction line, everything regarding that. But some people wouldn't do that. Some people would just walk through things and and they'd pick some of the options in the dialogue, but just, you know, the ones that they want to hear, the, one, the ones that look interesting, and just kind of leave the rest. So we wanted to find a way to reward the players for... Like uh, for actually paying attention and and interacting with things and remembering things, and uh, that was the way to do that. So the, the the robot would quiz you on on things that it would know and the player might know. So the, the, it was added as that kind of thing. Because, but eventually it kind of changed because the I think the funniest interactions that come out of that scenes. Uh, are the ones where you get the questions wrong, or like most of the questions wrong. I think there's four or five different outcomes of that scene, and if you get all the questions right, it's actually kind of boring because then it's it's more of a like like yeah you did it like good job like full score, full points. But if you know if you mess up, then the game kind of makes fun of you like for not paying attention. And and again it was. Like the, the the things that Clamant say are oftentimes supposed to be the stuff that the player would say, and that was a really fun thing. Like watching people play the game and stream the game, uh, there was a lot of uh, moments where characters would say things to him, and the player would be like, "Yeah, but why doesn't that happen?" And then immediately afterwards, Clamant would say, "But yeah, but why doesn't that happen?" They'd be like, "Exactly." So, <laughs> like th- that's the kind of that's, so that's the kind of thing we were hoping for. Well, again, I think it, it worked because I am one of those players that likes to click on everything. I don't necessarily remember everything, but oh, yeah, it was... There's, there's some weird questions there. <laughs> but it was, it was nice to see. It's like, oh, I sh- you know, you should pay attention then to mm-hmm. to things that people say or what people are these sea- seafood say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, these characters say and the things that you see. So it's uh, it, it, I think it worked really well to, toward the end of the game and um and so then the, the, you know there's, there's no real voice acting but the only time we hear voices is through a song at the very yeah. beginning of the game and again one of my favorite moments of of the game when, when, when did you add this song into was it late on into in the production uh no it was it was immediately after we made that scene because we wanted we needed to have a sequence where um, where 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 you get fired and you walk out like in shame and and where you can like connect with the character like it, like Clamman isn't deep in that sense but we wanted to have some kind of like feeling that 
you and Clamman are on the same team, uh, but also like finding a way to make fun of it. So uh, just as just for fun, I just started writing down lyrics for a song, and I recorded it, and I sent it off to the rest of the team, and they were like, "Yeah, this could work. This is pretty funny." And and then just kind of I, I got a better mic and and recorded it again, and then we we left it in. So originally there was actually supposed to be more than one song because. Uh, we put that song in the demo, and a lot of people were like, "The I, I love the song. The song was really funny." So we were talking about it with the team and being like, "Like, should we add in more songs? Should we put a song like between every act or or at the end or something?" But we eventually we we stayed off it because we thought it'd be funnier to have that kind of impact uh, at the very end. Like very late into development, we still planned on having that final song. It's recorded and it's it's got lyrics. And it's based on the, the the theme that the composer made for us. We hired a very very talented composer from from uh, a local guy who did a fantastic job. I couldn't be happier with what he did, and he made this leitmotif for Clemman. And the final song was supposed to be like a, a recap of the game, like again, kind of making fun, uh, making fun of me. One of the lines was like, uh, "How does it feel to be in second place?" Like uh, now you're in uh, now your friends the CEO and you're in junior, junior sales. How does it feel to be in second place? Something like that, and it was kind of been like to make fun of it. But at the end, we we had this one track from the from the composer that we really liked, and when we were putting together the credits, we were like, it it felt cathartic for us and kind of emotional for us to be like like this is the last part of the game, like we're finishing it. So we wanted to have this more of like wholesome feel good kind of ending to it well i think it works very very well you know that uh, as i mentioned you know it was very very funny as well and, yeah, no, i'm glad people liked it uh, yeah de- definitely and then uh since, since we spoke about uh, the noise that they make if you're you know were to make uh you know you know next games and clamman or whatever would mm. you would you like to add voice acting or would you like to keep it the same uh, with just the noise that they make and just read with you know, there's a lot of dialogue. I don't know that, which if you have a preference. That it's that's a really really tough one. And it was so nice when we released the demo. A lot of like voice actors, professionals, and amateurs uh, like reached out to us and were like, "Hey, are you, were you thinking of adding voice acting? Like, I'd love to do it." And there's still people on Twitter, Twitter that we got to know through that, and 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 lovely wonderful people who 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 uh, who asked if if we needed voice acting. And, and my answer was all the, always the same that we can't afford it. <laughs> like we don't have that in our budget, so we can't do it. And as a result of that, the writing in Clamman is not, doesn't lend itself very well for voice acting. Like it, it's written to be read and it's written to be, mm. to fit the kind of the restrictions we had. So I'm not sure if the, if voice acting would be the best move for Clan Man. But then later on, people started streaming the games and, and some stream and, you know, streamers were making different voices for different characters. And now and then you find a streamer where you're like, oh, that's the perfect voice for the, <laughs> for the boss. And I'm like, oh, I, I actually tweeted out a, a link to, to one of the streams, one of the things that guy made, because he, he made the perfect voice for, for uh, Mr. Bossman. And I don't know. It's, it's really hard because the writing would be, have, have to be slightly different if we ever make a Clamant too, but yeah, if I, I I'd love to have voice acting in in another kind of game and like, but but right. kind of be prepared for that in, in that sense and and write with that in mind because I think there is a a big difference between writing for an actual performance and and just writing for text. 
Okay, yeah, and the, the developer of Bertram Fiddle, I can't remember the name off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but they wrote on Twitter that they're giving advice to other indie game developers. And the advice that they gave is to always leave the voice acting to last because they said, you know, as you mentioned, if you can't afford it, then, uh, you know, bad voice acting, a good good voice acting can elevate a game, but bad voice acting will bring it down. Or exactly. Badly exactly. performed or badly oh. recorded or something. And in Clamman's case, again, it's at least in Clamman, it wasn't necessary. Now, good voice acting may have... Uh, I don't know, elevated experience, but it was mm. still very, very funny. I think the first thing should be the, the quality of the writing and the dialogue and the narrative that had to come first. Mm. But in this game, I think just with the noise, the sound that they make, yeah. uh, it, it it works well to give them characterization. But and again, it says you know you know a lot about the writing that we don't need big voice acting because a lot of the times it's the voice acting that brings to the game, you know, but it's, you mm. know, like Sam and Max, we remember the, vo- the voices. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, but then at least the first two Monkey Islands, they had no voice acting. So mm. And they were still incredibly funny. Like, cause just, exactly. Like you said, because the writing was so strong. And it, it's interesting, actually, I, I, I talked to, I think his name is Seb Burnett, uh, who made Bertram Fiddle. And mm. I, I talked to him on Twitter and I asked him, like, what was your experience adding voice acting to the game? And he said that it was an absolute pain to, <laughs> like, like you said, like you want to leave it to last because you want to be able to edit jokes and change jokes and change the writing, which I was doing on Clamman, like towards the very end, like tweaking little mm. things uh, that, that needed to be tweaked. And so his advice to us was that it's, it's like, if you're unsure about doing it, it it might it might be more work than you're ready for right now, and and that coupled with stories that you hear of, of first time indie devs putting out games and like aiming too high, like aiming to make like this sixty hour game with full on voice acting, uh, it was like like okay let's let's play to our strengths and let's not try to do things that we have no idea like let's let's figure out how to make this full game before we start adding things to it. Right. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, a lot of indie developers say the same, you know, start small and then work your way up, you know, once you're able to make a game, first of all, and then add these, um, you know, add voice acting and maybe more sound effects and all. But uh, but then meanwhile, you know, spoke to Dave Gilbert and he said he loves process of voice acting that if he could just work with voice actors, yeah. that he, he may choose to do that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. No, wait, that would but, be that would be amazing. So, hey, you could just get Dave Gilbert to give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, then with the graphics that you mentioned that, you know, you draw the graphics, that again, we spoke about his facial expressions. Mm. And th- you mentioned that your brother started working on Unity. Was the game made through Unity? Yes, it, it is completely made in, in Unity. In Unity, we, yeah. We were thinking of doing it with, like, there's some pre-existing tools and assets uh, on the Unity store. Uh, for adventure games in particular, and and it's actually tools that I've I've started working with in my spare time because my my programming is, is getting better, but it's still like very very basic. So there there's tools to make that easier, but in the end we opted for like uh, our own engine within the engine, basically when it came to dialogue and stuff. Right. Yeah. So you were able to. Be creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we managed to get it working. It it was funny because it was it was again it, it's it's my brother's first first like full 
uh, full title, so to speak. He's made like little mobile games and, and flash games and stuff, and, and I've, I've made little like RenP games and, and visual novel thingies. But it was his first time making like this kind of level of a game. So there was a lot of points where he was like, "Can we just?" can we just have it so you never have more than three options in a conversation because I can't figure that out. And I had to push him and be like, no, we really need to figure that out. And then two days later, he'd come back with a solution and be like, okay, I learned a lot. And uh, like, I I think out of the three of us, he was the one who uh, grew the most and like in his skills, because he, uh, I know he went back and recoded a lot of the early scenes because they just they were buggy and they weren't working. But the final scenes were working great, so he went back and redid a lot of the stuff, like with the stuff he learned. Yeah, cool. So sounds like you you learned, you know, as you were developing the game. Yeah, for sure. And and he uh, he actually managed to make the tools easy enough for you to use for me to learn them. So at, towards the end of the process, I was uh, helping him with programming and adding in scenes and and. Or adding in like items and interactions and stuff like the the Indiegogo rewards I, I put in by myself and the, like editing the dialogue and stuff that like instead of you know texting him and being like hey in this scene this option in this conversation there's a little thing that needs changing I was like no I I, I can't burden him with that so we we we, could, we like you said we we learned as we went along yeah well I think that's how a lot of people learn you know, oh yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> so they say, oh let's try this oh mm. that's that works <laughs> that's certainly you know i mean i don't make games but as i've been working on the podcast you know i, I had absolutely no idea when i started so might say i still don't have any idea but, <laughs> <laughs> but i've you know again it's been through trial and error you know when i'm editing and i'm saying okay let's see let's try it oh that works oh wow mm, and yeah. oh th- what does this do oh no i don't like that but this thing on the other hand Hmm. Yeah, exactly. and I'm like, is is this how all editors work? Probably not, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's uh, for me at least with the writing of Clam Man. Like, uh, I think if we ever do Clam Man two, which I'm so happy to see that people are actually asking for it, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because we teased it at the end as a joke. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I did not uh, think of that as a joke, by the way. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's the problem. Nobody did. <laughs> Everyone was like, "Oh, you're making a sequel. Nice. I can't wait to see what you do." And and like. In the team, we're just looking at each other, going like, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> "Oh boy!" It, it, I actually wrote uh, like joke dialogue for Clamman Two. The first, the first, the opening scene of Clamman Two is out there. I think it's on our Steam page and like in a community update. And I posted that as a joke, and people read it and they were like, "Oh, this is great! Like, I can't wait." And I was like, "No, no, like, it's just a joke." See, this is the problem with telling jokes. Sometimes to be taken seriously. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I think if, if, like, with the writing, if 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 I write Clamman too, then I think there's a I, I've learned so much from it, and I think it'll be better, more coherent, and and funnier, uh, like at the same time. Like it's 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 really the only way of of learning. Like just make something and then make it better next time. Sure. Yeah. See what works and see what needs to be improved and and everything. So that's yeah. so uh, so so Dan, like you spoke about it, Dan. So do you have any actual plans to make a Clamman two or another game uh, in in the process that you'd like to say? Is there anything at all that you can reveal? <laughs> uh, so I've I'm I'm spending a lot of time improving my programming by myself because uh, unfortunately uh, or 
it's it's great for all of us because we all have new things coming up. Like two of us, uh, I'm moving to Canada. Uh, the artist is moving to Sweden. Uh, oh. My brother is getting a new job. Uh, so we we all have things going on, but we're going to be more split. Like yeah, the you'll world. be with different time zones and. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's I'm 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 kind of trying to learn to make games by myself and possibly like uh, either having them or other people help out with stuff that I'm not good at. Uh, but something that I, I mean I, there is a Unity file on my computer that is Clamant too, uh, which <laughs> runs on 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 a different toolset and uh, could technically uh, work. I was thinking of remaking the whole game in that toolset to just as practice. Releasing it as Climant 1.5 or something for people who bought the game. I don't know. I I, I don't want to make any promises. It, it might <laughs> okay, come nothing Cla- up. Climant point well 1.5. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking exclusive. That's uh, a definite then. <laughs> uh, no, but the the thing, it's it's still like a very very early on in in, in development and 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 thinking. But um, one thing that I would like to do and that I'm working on right now it might be 10 years in the future that it comes out but uh i'm I'm making a more serious game like as a as the the idea is having like a noir a crime noir chinatown if you will uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh story set in like a fantasy world so and i'm really excited i'm having having a lot of fun writing that uh, right now, I, I don't know if anything will come from it, but it's it's very it's a lot more Tarantino-esque, very based on on the snatch and 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 the the writing style of Guy Ritchie. And, wow, that um, sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that, it would be really really, really fun to make. Yeah, yeah, it, w- it would be absolutely fun to make. But it's uh, with the move to Canada and a lot of stuff changing in my life, it's 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 hard to tell. I would love to if I can, but uh, as soon as I have something to show or like any clear actual plans I'll, I'll be sharing that on on twitter cool and uh now you i'm sure i'm sure there's some game developers in canada right i mean <laughs> I, I heard there's a few in montreal yeah yeah there's, there's a few i'm sure who, who can help but <laughs> maybe um but uh oh, what was i I was going to say I was going to say something you know really clever but I've forgotten. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that definitely does sound really intriguing, and I can't wait to find out uh, more. Now, just just two very quick questions before we get to the end. Something he said in, that he something that he said that was interesting was that there was a difference between writing for spoken dialogue and write, writing for written dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Do you want to? Uh, explain more about what you meant by that, if you can, or uh, uh, yeah, little bit, or for maybe for anybody else who's writing or who's making video or adventure games, or uh, I think in general, uh-huh. it's it's uh, it's it's interesting because uh, what I'm writing right now, the the idea for the noir fantasy thing, uh, is is almost not a game. It's it's more like a screenplay that I'm using like to branch out that, that I'm hoping to branch out into a game and it, it, it's definitely very very different uh, in the sense that the idea is to have characters say these words because it's it's like in Clam Man there's a lot of uh, you, you can't have um, hesitation or, or uh, stuttering uh, conveyed in written dialogue unless you write it out like 
uh, exactly like that. That's why yeah. in, in Clamman, there's a lot of like ellipses and, and just uh, moments of, of silence that we had to put in to get that kind of comedic uh, pacing that is so important to uh, when writing comedy. And and especially writing uh, writing written comedy in, in the sense that it's supposed to be just read, I, I feel like it's hard to say. You have to be so much more expressive with how people are saying things. And you, like, you can't rely on, on voice actors to do the job for you. You have to be so uh, specific. And I, th- I, I personally, for me, I think there might be too much of it in Clam Man, but there's, like I said earlier, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, well, um, I don't know, but like little things like that, which generally is seen as like a bad thing in writing. I think in Clam Man, it became part of the style that nobody's Everyone's sure what they're doing, but nobody's really sure of how to say it. So it's 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 the thing where you have to um, you you can write a really like three lines of dialogue, and it can be super strong when you're reading it out or if somebody's acting it out. But if you're reading it, it might mean nothing, or it might seem like nothing. Right. Uh, so yeah. like finding ways to adapt that in in written form. Is is very interesting and very tricky. I'm not saying I'm I'm an expert on it. I definitely am not. But uh, it's it, it's a challenge in and of itself, and it, it is it is very interesting. It's it's also the same with um, you can afford to be more elaborate when you're writing just for writing. Again, with with Bertram Fiddle, uh, I think the writing is great. I think the jokes are are, are great. Uh, but you can see like with the voice acting, it's there's shorter lines of dialogue or there's interactions between characters can be uh, like five or six lines and that's it. In Clam Man, <laughs> maybe to its fault, a lot of simple interactions are like 30 lines of dialogue and you can afford to do that because it's, it's uh, you can express more, I guess. Like people say that in writing less is more, but you can express uh, things that you can't, you, you can't expect voice actors to do it for you. So you have to put it right. in a certain way. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone. Yeah, no, I think, think it. I think it does. Yeah, I hope it does. And I, for the people who like Clamman, I, I, I'd like to think that in in that case it does. Uh, and it's also a very different thing when you're writing, like especially when it comes to comedy, because uh, in in comedy, I think it's 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 a modern trend. Uh, that characters and dialogue in, in comedies now are kind of it, it seems improvised basically, and and I think that's something that we did in Cloud Man as well. In in that, uh, it, it seems like a real conversation. It seems like people actually talking, uh, like they do in real life, and that would be that might be detrimental to voice acting, where you want it to be snappy because it's boring listening to someone just going. Uh, um. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, well. Um. But it's when in reading, like you can see that in in like a third of a second, and you get an idea of of what expression the character is doing, and especially when clam with the characters being fairly expressionless, like a lot of that falls on the writing. Right, as we mentioned before, it's you know first thing is the quality of the, of the writing of the narrative. So mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I th- think you guys you know got that. I hope so. Yeah, and again, with writing, uh, writing like drama or writing more serious things now, 
it's it's a for me it's a very different approach it's 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 a lot more of of how can i say this in the shortest possible time like how what what can i cut from this like what what in this doesn't mean anything but in in, in comedy or in certain cases of comedy you can afford to do that because it it lends itself to the comedy so i think i <laughs> uh I, i'm still figuring it out but i for me that's that's been very helpful okay and do you have um, a comedy background by any chance, or did you just come up with this yourself? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love comedy. I love uh, making jokes, and I think I'm one of those people who uh, you see a lot of comedians, like real comedians, um, being like, um, uh, the reason they're funny is because they, they either, either wanted attention or wanted to draw attention away from something else. And in in a way to be to be likable, basically. I think uh, uh, I think I remember hearing Ricky Gervais talking about like he got his his style of comedy from from banter and and ripping on his friends and like when they would rip on him, he would rip on them back. Uh, I think Steve Martin, who, who I love, I love his comedy, uh, said that his comedy came from trying to make his mother laugh. And I, I think for me, it's it's that kind of same thing because I was a super <laughs> insecure kid growing up, and I was super like self-aware and and worried. And my kind of coping mechanism with that was just to crack jokes all the time. And I'm sure a lot of people thought I wasn't funny, but like <laughs> it it I, it's that thing where you you're the class clown at some point mm. in your life, and I think that was definitely me. So. And and I you know growing up I, I drew a lot of comics like for smaller smaller newspapers and publications in, in Finland I wrote a lot of comics I had a web blog where I did uh, comics really really weird strange stuff uh, and I did some stand up at one point as well I just I really like comedy I think it's it's one of the best things in the world and I was <laughs> there's a there's another great quote by I don't remember who it is I think it was a Saturday Night Live writer who said that. Uh, if you give like a group of comedy writers uh, like uh, an an infinite budget to do a comedy show that is uh, exactly what they want, like no input from anyone else, they they get full editorial control. It would be the the darkest, most horrible, awful thing ever. It would be babies exploding and, and like horrible, horrible things, and it wouldn't. It would be so meta like funny like it would be so strange and so bizarre that only people who have like spent their life thinking about and doing comedy would think it's funny because they're so like um they're so desensitized to to jokes that the only thing that makes them uh, makes them laugh at this point is this very weird and strange uh niche and i think like Clamman isn't brutal at all. It isn't like gory or or, or horrible in any, in any way. But that was one of those challenges, and and writing something that I thought was funny, and and also like being very aware that a lot of people are going to think that this isn't funny, like that this is weird and just stupid. But like like we talked about earlier, it's it's that thing of just going with it and just accepting that it's strange and and suspending your dif- disbelief because you you enjoy doing that. You enjoy seeing strange jokes and you enjoy like experiencing weirdness and and i i think in the end the writing and the comedy of clan man is 
it came down to like does it make me laugh like do i think it's funny and and you know again like being aware that a lot of people won't uh so a, a lot of the marketing a lot, a lot of who we push the game towards were people that you know they're gonna think this is funny so um like the steam page that we had up is very very weird like anything from the from the introduction on the steam page to the the system requirements and the legal stuff it's all jokes like it's all stupid weird jokes there there's uh, like there's something about don't pirate the clan man because pirates are mammals and clan man lives under the sea so it makes sense like it's it's this weird stupid thing that isn't necessarily a joke but it's if you're willing to accept the stupidity and the silliness of it it's funny and and so we wrote that and we made the trailers and and the the way we shared the game online was to make sure that if you think the marketing is funny and the descriptions are funny then you're probably going to like the game so it was that thing where we uh, we were making a game that uh, it wasn't a game that a lot of people would would like, uh, but it's a game that a few people will love. It's it's that kind of thing. Like you either get it or you don't. So it's, yeah. it it was a question of finding those people who would get it. Yeah, no, absolutely. When I when I saw the Steam page and the trailers as well, I was like, oh, I can see the sense of humor uh, it yeah. does, and I think it's funny because a lot of times. You know, there are quite a few adventure games, you know, recent guys we've talked about before that are that I just don't find funny. And I'm like, okay, I know that they've put in a lot of effort into these jokes as well, into these the writing and the game, but I just don't really find it that funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, sometimes it's kind of, I think if it's with bad voice acting as well, it's kind of like, and I kind of shudder, I'm like, oh no, this just, this is not right. Yeah. <laughs> but with yeah. this, I laughed, you know, I laughed at the description on the Steam page as a trailer as well, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it an indication works. that you'd, you'd like the, the final game. Exactly, which which we did, and which Tomas did as well. And, oh. and then uh, the, I, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I think that's also, um, it, it, it's kind of a, a stupid thing for us to do. It's, it's, it's like, uh, like averting our the responsibility of being funny by seeing people being like uh, streamers or, or people talking about the game or reading about the game, like uh, sp- sharing different things and and seeing people go like I don't get it, like this isn't funny. It 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 was it was you know it's it's never fun to hear that, but uh, the way we did it made us able to say that hey, if you don't think this is funny, then that's okay. The game is not for you. Like, it, it was a way for us to immediately like um, say that if 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 you get this, then you probably will get the rest. And I think the one of the best things, the the most wonderful things that I heard was, uh, or the feedback we got was from writers of other games and like narrative designers and stuff that reached out and say, hey, this game is really charming. It's really funny. It's really witty. And and that that to me is like. Oof! Like that's like no feedback should be more important than the other. But hearing that, uh, like, I still don't consider myself a real game developer because I like it's that kind of imposter syndrome. Where like, yeah, but like other people are doing it for real and are, are really good at it. So I'm I'm not really a writer. I'm not a game developer. I, I maybe I should think of myself as one, but it's 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 hard because you feel like you're just starting out. You're figuring things out. So seeing actual writers and narrative designers be like, hey, this is funny. That was such a great moment because it's it it builds confidence and being like, yeah, like maybe maybe there is something in here like worth seeing or worth reading 
Yeah, sure, because they they kind of know what you're going through as well. And if if mm-hmm. they say kind of something works, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe it does. You know, like other you know, because when I spoke to some developers as well at yeah, when I was at the Narrowscope, and they were talking about other games that they've played, and then they were saying, oh, maybe people are not interested in our opinion. I said, no, no, I definitely am. You know, want to know if I were a game developer, I would definitely ask you to play it and see what you think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because you you know the process of writing for a game and you've been there, done that. You know what works, what doesn't work. So mm-hmm. it gives some I, good advice. So I think that's something that that uh, is so nice about having other game developers or like <laughs> real game developers play your game, and and because I feel like these people are are some of the nicest, most wonderful people when it comes to games. Like uh, the gaming community can be uh, toxic, and right? Can be can be very aggressive. And uh, I think game developers and, 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 and people who work on games realize that uh, critiquing a game based on your opinion is kind of... Like, obviously you have to do that for a review, but critiquing a game uh, based on what it sets out to do and how well it succeeds to do that, I think that's the important part. Like, for me, if I play a game and I don't like it, it's not that, you know, this oh, this is a bad game. Like, this is a uh, not worth it, and I'm going to post that online and, and complain about it. I think it's more that, like, if this game does what it sets out to do and it does it does it well, then that's like great job. That's a good game. Like you you made something that made sense. You know, like mm-hmm. if it wasn't for me, that's fine. Like uh, I was never the audience for this game anyhow. So seeing game developers play the game and saying that, uh, like, I think some reviews mentioned that Clamman knows exactly what it is. And that's one of those great things where yes. you're like, like yes. yeah, it's like, like we talked about the puzzles and, and how some people are really hardcore with puzzles. And that's great, great, great for them. But like, Clamman isn't one of those games. Like, you're not going to. So we tried to make it clear, like, um, like I said, I think I'm just repeating myself at this point, but it's like. No, but I, I get you. That's, you know, Clamman, mm-hmm. that's the tone is kind of the thing. You, you get what the game sets out to do. Mm hmm. That you, you know, it doesn't change tones or change pace, you know. It doesn't try to appeal to just about everybody. It says, no, this is the game. This is what, it's, what it is. This is the type of game, type of humor, type of comedy. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, if you like it, then great. If you don't, well, I would say you're crazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, and then, so, um, yeah, and as you mentioned, other game developers are... Uh, you know, are very nice to to each other. In particular, I find with the adventure game community, that the adventure game developers, oh yeah, all seem sure. to help help each other out, and you know, to play each other's games, and they support mm-hmm. and promote each other's games, which is great. You know, I, 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 I mean, okay, I'm just now involved in the adventure game community, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case in many other genres. Like, I can't. I can't imagine, uh, you know, U- Ubisoft and <laughs> Usher and Microsoft, you know, now promoting each other's games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's. I, I think that and again Sony. is because. It's, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that's because it's again, it's like a, it's a niche genre at this point. Like, yeah, it's, that, it doesn't any, have any adventure game that does well. It's like, woo, great. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the same with developers. The way you were saying that. Uh, they're so nice to each other, and uh, it was it was such a, a welcoming community to get into in on 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 forums and on Twitter, especially. So many wonderful people that we got to know and, and talk to about games, and I think it it boils down to the thing that you're making a thing because you like what that thing is, and then you see other people making that, and you want them to succeed because I mean, ultimately, you want to play that game as well. 
Like, right. <laughs> you want to see more of that good stuff. And and I think uh, adventure games and, and people who like adventure games and people who make adventure games, um, I think, like you said, it's a, it's a very nice community. It's a very, like, positive community in that sense. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's, it's not... It's a more, like... <laughs> I, I wanted to say it's a more cerebral... Cerebral... <laughs> Yeah, yes, I mean, genre. We, because with the, you know, we do resolve puzzles, we do. <laughs> yeah. And but yes, I, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm hesitating to put Cerebral and Clan Man in the same <laughs> sentence, because it's kind of, I'm not sure about that one. But it, it's a more like, it's a slower paced game, and it's a more, it's more about the story and the experience, and it's not, not about like, nonstop action. So I think right. it's, it's, it lends itself to being, uh, being more positive. You're not fighting against mechanics. Uh, yes. as, as you could be in other games and genres. Yes. No, there was good clam man, you know, there's some good, clean, you know, I mean, I love, you know, dirty jokes as well when it gets sweary as well. But in <laughs> yeah. this, you know, it's good, clean humor, which I think it can be really hard to do because, um, you know, I think, as you mentioned, it can be great, you know, just to have like, uh, just to add a swear word or something or with mm. some other games and movies and series, they just add, you know, like toilet humor and that. And okay, I think there's a time and place for that. But I think it can... Now I don't write comedy, but I think it can be more difficult at times to write kind of like witty jokes like the ones that are in Clamman, and they're the ones that I really appreciate, especially when they work like yeah, yeah. in Clamman. So um, it's it's so hard to know when they work and when they're gonna land. And right, like there's imagine you're like, on your own in a room. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're and you're going through jokes and. I know there's jokes in the game that I've spent like an hour or days on, like trying to get them right, and I'm still not fully happy with them. And it's funny because I think one of the best jokes in the game uh, was wasn't written by me, and it was written by the programmer. In the cubicle, there's there's a bunch of books, and one of them is titled uh, "She Sells Seashells by the Seashore: The Woman <laughs> Behind the Mass Killings." And that that to me that is one of the best jokes in the game, and it, it is like. It is so good, and I, I and I didn't write it. And I must have missed that. I don't remember that. I think I would have remembered, but I'll have to I'll have to play the game again. Oh yeah, there, there there's like a bunch of of books in the in the cubicle with 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 a bunch of like uh, parodies of of classical book titles and and just okay, stuff. Okay, I'll, I'll have to re- replay it then. <laughs> there's I think there's one that's uh, an illustrated. No, it's it's called Jailbait. An illustrated history of prison food, or, or something like that. And they're like those are jokes that we like. I went over uh, a bunch of times to get them right. But I, I like, like, like we talked about early on with the first draft. Like oftentimes the best jokes are the ones that just kind of come out of nowhere, and it just it makes sense. Right. <laughs> no, but absolutely, and they surprise me as well. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we mentioned now the very final question that I'll ask before because I know it's getting late. Uh, uh, oh. Well, at least definitely for you. Um, the, you mentioned that you put this game on Indiegogo. Uh, you know, crowdfunding mm-hmm. uh, when you're developing the game. What was that experience like? And uh, you know, w- would you recommend other people go that that route if uh, if they're making a game? Or how, uh, how would what would you say about going the the Indiegogo Kickstarter route. Uh, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's. Uh, I see a lot of. I, I did a lot of research before we launched the the Indiegogo campaign. We wanted to put it on Kickstarter because I think uh, Kickstarter reaches more people because it's more 
um, I don't know. It's Kickstarter is more known like uh, in the gaming community. A lot of games come from that, and and uh, there's more spread from Kickstarter because there's fewer projects on there. Uh, it's it's a lot harder to get on Kickstarter um, because of like uh, boundaries or, or like. We, we, we wanted to be on Kickstarter. We couldn't because we're in Finland. And Finnish law prohibits uh, crowdfunding. Uh, oh, really? in the way it, Yeah, it does. In, in the sense of, of donations and pledges. So we, we, the only way for us to do it was to go on Indiegogo and, and uh, basically uh, uh, people could pre-order the game. Like, uh, we couldn't add any, uh, any rewards. You know, the basic reward in Kickstarter is always like, uh, two or three dollars, and it's like our huge thanks for support. Like just this little thing that people can throw in. We couldn't do that. Like the the lowest thing we could do was to sell the game, uh, because okay. Finnish law wouldn't wouldn't allow us. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's it's quite interesting. Uh, but hopefully we can do Kickstart later on, especially if I can do it from Canada. Right, don't even say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Canada won't change its laws now. <laughs> I mean. I'm, I'm 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 hoping on it. I think I think Indiegogo and, and crowdfunding is great. I think it's it's wonderful. I think it has that uh, that one thing that people are critiquing about it is that it's uh, oftentimes you're selling things that people already know that they like, so it doesn't like move the medium forward. Uh, but I think there's definitely room for people to be like, you know, let's make uh, a new collect-a-thon game, a new, uh, like, remember this game? Like, we want to make another one like that. I, I think that's fine. I think that's good. And especially for small indie devs, uh, it's a great way of reaching a platform that makes you seem legit very quickly. Like, it's... it's um, especially with Indiegogo for us, because we didn't have to reach a goal. We had flexible funding, which means... Uh, we could put up any amount, and then whatever money we got from that, we could put into the game. And we were very, we tried to be very upfront about that in the campaign. Like, uh, like the more money we get, like the better we can make this game. And then we we got the amount that we got. I think it was thirty three percent of our goal, which was I think eight thousand euros, which was like well enough for us to hire a composer and and get and and pay for Steam fees and and stuff like that. But it's like. Besides that, besides getting funds to make your game, because it, chances are, if you're a first-time indie dev, that nobody knows, starting from the ground up, like very few people are going to care about your Kickstarter or your crowdfunding. Like that's why the successful ones are always like old rare devs or like the 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 creator of Mega Man or like people that people know, basically. Tim Schafer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that people are willing to th- trust. Uh, they do well, but like first-time devs have a hard time reaching that audience. But if you can do flexible funding, I think crowdfunding is a great way of of, of marketing your game, of like putting it out there, having having uh, like sites write about it, like uh, before you actually have a product. Like you're you're getting some marketing from it, and it's also a great indicator of interest. Like you 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 immediately get to see that starting from the ground up, how many people are willing to support this particular genre. And when it came to adventure games, uh, the community was great. Like there was a lot of people finding the game and being like, "Yeah, I, I could do with another adventure game, and this looks fun. I, I trust you guys will make a fun thing." So it's 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 kind of it's kind of market research in a way, and that, that really helped us uh, and, and get an idea. And, and a lot of people were very nice and, and, and helpful in, in pointing out sites that we could message or or giving us advice and stuff like that. So I think it's a very I think crowdfunding is a very, very good thing, but you need to 
establish trust immediately. I've seen crowdfundings, crowdfunding campaigns for first-time devs with who are going like, who are making like a very like jokey page. Like our ours was full of jokes as well, but we tried to be very honest about what we were making. Uh, like give people an idea of what you are making, and and you can't afford to like completely joke around uh, when you right. that. Like you can't afford to be to be an auteur, you know, to be like. Uh, you you can't pretend to be Toby Fox like who made Undertale in your first indie game. Like people are people know certain characters, people know certain tropes, and but they only trust them if they're established already. So you right. really have to like get make a really really good uh, campaign so people see it and they they get the idea that you are a first time dev that but you believe in this game and you want to make this game. So I, I I would recommend crowdfunding, but like. Do your research and and for the love of God, like, do prepare for it more than we did. Like, you can never stop preparing. You you will never prepare enough for a crowdfunding campaign. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of marketing, and it's like, it, it is important. Like, it's for me, it was as important as our launch of the game. Sure, yeah, and then you need to be active with the community as well. Exactly, like, yeah. You need to post. That's, that's what um, I find a few develop. I mean probably before when Kickstarter just started, but I saw some uh, some games on Kickstarter and and I just saw that there was like one or two updates in the whole month and I was thinking, what are the developers doing? And they're asking for like 30,000, 40,000. Exactly. It's, it's such thinking, a strange thing. Like, you need to be constantly active with the community. It's a lot of work, but if you're asking for that amount of money, I think. Exactly. Um, but, like, but yeah, I think a lot of people kind of no, already. It's, uh, it's from what I can see, it still can be difficult, but it's it's doable. I see that there are a lot of successes still with adventure games on Kickstarter mm. and Indiegogo, that including like first-time developers, so such as yeah. yourselves. Yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, as we were crowdfunding uh, our game, uh, the crowdfunding for uh, the Dark Side Detective, Detective Two came out uh, at the same time, like during our campaign or before our campaign. I don't, but we were running like parallel. At one point, and I remember seeing them and being like, "Oh, like, oh, thirty thousand—they're gonna reach that goal easy, you know." But it's—it's it's still like they still had to fight for it. Like they got their yes. funding and, and 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 then some. But like they—you can tell like they were updating the, the the page, they were tweeting about it, they were sharing it online. Like it, it, it's a full-time job, like marketing your your, your crowdfunding, and it, and it gives people the impression that oh, these people care. Like if they care, then maybe I should care as well. But you know, if you see someone making a crowdfunding, I mean, like you said, posting two updates in a month, then it doesn't seem like they care about their game. Like, and so why should I care? Exactly. You know? no, it's, and it's uh, funny how you mentioned that it's kind of like market research because the developers of Dark Side Detective Spooky Doorway said that that was one of the main reasons they put Dark Side Detective 2 on Kickstarter was to see, well, is there really an interest in, in a mm-hmm. sequel? Do people yeah. want it? Now, the answer is yes and then some. But as you mentioned, they... <laughs> They had to work for it, you know, because there's. Yeah. Uh, but it's even with, uh, you know, the Coles, they had two Kickstarters, and uh, Jane Jensen very barely made it over the line as well. And the mm-hmm. same with those two guys from Andromeda, and then others as well. There was Richard uh, Cobbett or Corbett for you know who made or put the Kickstarter through Wajidai. And they made it, but again, very close. And even the guys who made, I think, Mist and Abduction, they had a game. So again, even though these are very well-known people and companies, mm. now again, they're asking for 
you know, probably a lot of money in comparison to first-time developers, mm. but it can be difficult as well. But it's doable if you if you work at it. You know, I think it's probably the message that people can take away. <laughs> yeah, if if you believe in it, it, it can happen. And and I mean, even uh, I've seen campaigns like relaunch and. You can yes. do it in, in in so good ways. Like I remember seeing one game that was being crowdfunded, and it was clear that they were making it. Uh, so the guy posted like, "Yeah, we're gonna shut this down." And then they started another campaign asking for like a fraction of that, and uh, and made jokes about how it was a cash grab and stuff. And that didn't work out at all. They had, I think, they had like a couple hundred people backing the game the first time, and then the second time around, it was only like thirty or forty. And yeah. like contrasting that to. Uh, I think the name the name of the game is uh, uh, is it Professor or Doctor uh, uh, Winklebottom? It's a, it's a British yes, adventure game yes, with a giraffe, that, yes. which looks fantastic. It Dr. looks so Winklebottom, nice. Yes, uh-huh. I even backed it myself, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's such a, a wonderful and cute game. And and they didn't make the first campaign. I think they were asking for too much, I guess. Uh, but they had a lot of like a, like a lot of backers. But it, it wasn't enough, so they just relaunched launched like a month later with a lowered, uh, like a, a lowered budget, and I think they like, like they changed the scope of the game, or they they figured out ways to make it uh, with less money, and they got like even more uh, backers, and they made it. So it's it's that thing, like don't give up, and like if you believe in it, it you can make it. Like if 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 you give people the idea that you believe in this product, you believe in this game, and and you believe that it can be great, then People, chances are people are going to agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I actually spoke with uh, the developer of that game, Charlotte, but she spoke a little bit about that again, things that she learned. And one of the things she said was, even though the first campaign didn't ultimately succeed, she met a lot of people, she got great advice and mm-hmm. people who wouldn't support her, and they all supported her a second time. And then they helped to get even more people to support a second time as well. So, Yeah, yeah um, exactly. But again, in, in her case, you can definitely tell that she really cares about the game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, like the, her marketing for that and like well, sharing it and notch. posting it. It's top notch. Yeah, it's it's yeah. She's she's done an amazing job of that, and I'm I, yeah. I'm I'm really excited to play that game. Yeah, no, me too. Especially after talking to her. It, <laughs> yeah, no, I can. It's um, no, and again, she's like a one-person studio that's just mm-hmm. going. Yeah, just go myself, and then if, you know, a few voice act with a few other people as well. And but it's looking really good. So yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so that's uh, Clam Man, which is out now. Um, I think that's all from my end. So, is there anywhere where we can find out more about you or Clam Man online? Um, well, people can follow us at uh, at, at Clam uh, Clam underscore Team on Twitter. I think that's where we post stuff mainly. Uh, I do share some some personal stuff as well on uh, at Marafras. M A R A F R A S S, but like, uh, if there's going to be news of a new game, I'm going to be sharing it through through the Team Clam uh, like handle. Like that's for for news. That's that's where we, you you want to go. Like to our Twitter, for sure. Okay, and do you have a website or a Steam page or anything where we can find more about the game? Mm-hmm. You can find us on on Steam and and itch.io. Uh, just if you just look for Clam Man, there's not a lot of games with Clam in the, in the title, so it's it, we're pretty easy to find. It's pre- pretty unique that way. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you very much, Martin. It's been a real pleasure. I believe we're coming on at least an hour and a half. And oh wow, yeah, one hour 
well, 40 minutes, what I see here. Oh, it's uh, just, just flow, flown by for me. Uh, it's, yes, uh, been, it's been a real, real pleasure finding out more behind the scenes about one of my favorite games this year, Clan Man. It's uh, been great for me. So uh, I'll let you take us out then. So is there anything you'd like to say to anybody listening? So any fans, potential fans that are game developers or... Uh, maybe any Canadian game developers in Montreal <laughs> looking for a narrative designer or narrative writer. <laughs> yeah, uh, leave it up to any, you. <laughs> any of those, any of you out there, just yeah, let me know because <laughs> I, I would love to work with a with a with a team of writers. It would be so much fun. But yeah, like I, I think I don't have a lot left to say. I, I guess if like if we could make this game and and if anyone listening been thinking about making game like just just do it like get like like get started and 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 like really push yourself to it because i really think that if you want to make something you're gonna make it like you you don't have a choice so like just work work through the the youtube tutorials of like c sharp and stuff but because it's at the end it's worth it for sure okay so i'll have to start working on my own adventure game then yeah yeah, do it uh we'll see i'll have to (laughs) Let's see. Maybe if uh, I can get your brother to do the program or something, or and you do the writing, and I'll take all the credit. So. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. And of course, I'll make all the money because I know that adventure game developers have, make so much money. Oh yeah, we're all millionaires at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Martin. It's been a real, real pleasure. And again, to anybody listening who hasn't played Clamman yet, I would really, really recommend it. And if you want to find out, well, my t- I think you already know my thoughts, but uh, Thomas and I speak about the game. We reviewed the game in one of the previous episodes, and Thomas wrote a written review of the game, which is on the Adventure Games podcast website as well. Um, so if you're still not convinced by this interview, well, first of all, I think you will be, but definitely check out the game. It's really, really funny. I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much as well, Martin, and best thank of luck you so with your move me. to Canada. No thank problem at all. Much. And best of luck in the future. And I'm looking forward to Clan Man 1.5 or whatever you decide to do. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So that was my interview with Team Clam. I hope you enjoyed it. And a huge thank you to Martin once again for speaking with me. I had a great time speaking with him. And I feel like I learned a lot through that interview about writing and game development in de- general. So thank you, Martin. Uh, So that is it for this week. Next week, I will be joined once again by Thomas and Laura. And they will be talking about games that they have been playing, which include Ghoul Britannia, Land of Hope and Cory. And they will also be talking about football game. And I will be talking about the Wordplay conference, which I attended in Toronto and some of the games that I played there. So... Until then, have a great weekend and a great week. Take care, everyone. Bye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can 
follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you